called to the booth. Keep to leave here. Sad week in football, baby. We got Gruden out. You got Russell Wilson out. Is the Chiefs out? Paul, drop that beat. Back with more Call to the Booth, Harrison Sanford and Keith Tlaib. So much has happened in the NFL and the big shocker on Monday night was revealed during Monday Night Football, actually. John Gruden is out as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. He had just signed a 10-year deal back in 2018. John Gruden has a connection to Akib, being the guy that drafted him as well. Akib, before we get into all the different scenarios that are going to happen with the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, your first reaction when you heard the news? Well, I was definitely shocked. Just, it was so instant, right? You got the news on Friday. You know what I'm saying? It was a little news. It was not much. You know what I'm saying? Raiders kind of swept it under the rug real quick. Then I was just shocked on how fast things turned, though, honestly. Yeah, it was it was a wild occurrence of events. So on that Friday, there was an email that was revealed that he had a uh, a term that he used about Demora Smith, who was a, a part of the NFLPA, the president at the time, um, who referred to him. He said he had Michelin lips, which, you know, as a black man, you know, got big lips. I kind of like my lips. So I really didn't right. think too much of it, even though, yes, it can. some people might see it offensive. I All right, but let me say this. Let me say this, Harrison. But let me say this, Harrison. John Gruden is not the first player or personnel person to joke about Demore Smith, Demore Smith lips. So, I mean, it's it's a joke. Whether you black, whether you white, whether you Asian, whether you Hispanic, you joking. I mean, players around that locker room, we joke all the time about guys. So, in my opinion, it's a joke. Yep. So that so that's how I took it at least, and obviously other people can feel a certain type of way. Everybody's entitled right. to their opinion. I think what then what overstood overstepped the line is when more emails were were revealed, and it goes up to 2018. So we're looking at a seven to ten year span here, where now there was more anti-gay commentary, misogynistic uh, commentary, and when you think about Carl Nassib being on his team, you think about more and more women not just watching the sport of football, but then. Uh, Gruden being against uh, some of them being referees. I think at that point, there's no coming back from that. And I imagine right. once you got to see the full scope of everything that he had emailed Bruce Allen, somebody that you know as well, because he was the general manager of uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when you got drafted there, I'm, I'm sure you probably felt the same way the NFL had to get this done. Me personally, knowing Gruden, man, he's not a racist, man. Gruden just called me maybe a couple months ago, just congratulating me on TV, giving me pointers to help me further my career. He don't have to do that kind of stuff. If you're a racist white guy, you're not calling a young black man to help him along in his life, right? No matter who he is, if you're racist, you're not going to do stuff like that, right? So the racist part, I, I, don't, I don't buy it at all, man. I don't buy it not one bit. And as far as how he feel about fem females, if, that's that's on him, man. I, I know how I feel about it. I feel like I met women over the last five years, especially in this media, and it gave me a whole new respect of women and their knowledge in football. I'm talking to Mina Kimes, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, she she know a lot. She know a whole lot in sports, right? So it gave me a new outlook in it. So you live and you learn. The emails was eight years ago. Maybe at by this point he learned more about females. Maybe a female ref caught his game, and now he really can respect the female because she did a great job, right? So – yeah, for sure. And then, you know, I, it's really hard sometimes, you know, you can see all the the whole controversy with the Dave Chappelle 
and Netflix documentary, sometimes it's hard to toe the line between what's a joke. What some somebody's always going right. to get offended, but some things, you know, exactly. some things are better just not said. When you are the leader of a franchise, when you're a leader right. in the NFL, and you, your job is not just to make the team successful, your job is to help the NFL make money. And right. so, if you are operating in a fashion that's going to disenfranchise people from enjoying the sport, you are losing your team and the NFL money. You're going to end up being put out. Uh, as you look at what the the Las Vegas Raiders have now, we're going to talk a lot more about it on our Broncos show on thir- for Thursday uh, as they take on the Broncos uh, in Denver. But I did want to mention that the special teams and assistant coach Rick Versaccia now is taking over as the head coach. They do have some guys on the staff that have been head coaches before. Tom Cable, who's the offensive line coach. Uh, Rod Marinelli, Gus, uh, Gus Bradley, both coordinators now, but used to be head coaches as well in the NFL. Uh, they are 3-2 and two right now, I believe, at the moment. What do you think happens for them going forward? It could be, it, I'd say it'd get a lot worse if they were 0-5, yeah. but they're yeah. not. They're 3-2, and two, so there's still something there. How do you think this pushes them forward? What do you think happens in the aftermath of this? Well, I, I don't think you, you, you don't shake back from, from losing your sole leader like that, man. That's like losing a quarterback out for the season. Your head coach gone. He is the tempo of that building. You know what I'm saying? Now, don't get me wrong. Rich, I played for Rich too. He was a great, a great coordinator. He's a great leader as well. And this won't be his first time interning as a head coach. So, man, he done did this before, right? And he a great leader. But just to switch the tone of the building midseason like that is never good, man. I don't, I don't think it ever works. Uh, they out of there, man. The, Ra- the Raiders is out of there. They're, they're, they're finished cool. It won't be enough to make the playoffs. Division too tough, man. And it's it's just hard to it's hard to fight back from losing your leader like that. Yeah, so it, out of all the places to have a controversy like this, Las Vegas would, would not be an ideal place to, right. to kind of have this kind of distraction with your NFL team. Interesting happenings over there uh, in Las Vegas with the Raiders team. And, you know, for those who thought, Urban Meyer was bad. I raise you, John Gruden. Uh, this situation uh, is going to have to solve itself <laughs> over some time. We'll see how Come it all on, plays Groot. out. All bad. All bad in Vegas, man. Sticking with the AFC West, we're going to change our focus now to the Kansas City Chiefs, Akeem. And now they are sitting at 2-3, and three, had that big primetime loss against the Buffalo Bills where it didn't look like they had any chance of really winning that game. Um, my first question for you, and just I think I might already know your answer, Will they make <laughs> the playoffs? Yes. yes. What exactly is wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs now? What, what are you seeing with them? Have, have they been dissected? Or how are you breaking them down? Well, I don't think nothing is wrong. And I think that the – first of all, look, they, they started their season off. They're the only team in the league who started their season off in the playoffs. Ravens, Browns. Chargers, Bills, them, that is the AFC playoffs, right? They started their season off in the playoffs. So the good thing about those losses, they, they, beat, they beat somebody, uh, the Browns or somebody. But the good thing about those losses and in, in, in all these losses, the other team kind of was the counterpunching. The Chiefs done whooped on your ass. Now you counterpunching with a different way to play them on defense. You're trying to see if it worked so you could use it later on in the playoffs, right? So all four of those teams showed their hand. They showed how they was going to play the Chiefs. So the Chiefs got a good look early in the season on how these four teams going to play them in the playoffs. Now they got 14 weeks or whatever to find a real answer to how these teams plan them. Man, 
Chiefs got the upper hand, man. Y'all slide in wild card. Y'all know exactly what these guys going to do. Now you got good change up, good routes that's going to get you explosives. You on, you back on the attack now. So I feel like in the playoffs, the Chiefs should be showing their hand. They'll be counterpunching just like those other teams was in the regular season. Man, I think they're in a cool spot. For sure. And if you look at their schedule, they're at Washington football team, at the te- uh, Tennessee Titans, at the New York, uh, at the New York uh, Giants. And if you look at if you look at it, we just talked about it. The Las Vegas Raiders might just be a team in total dysfunction. They still have games against uh, the Denver Broncos as well and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we don't know what they're going to be like. Come looks like that's in Week 16. So uh, obviously, opportunity for them to get in the playoffs and could be very well um, be somebody you don't want to see if they end up being a six or seven seed. They uh, good the optimism. <laughs> Optimism not as bright over in the NFC West, looking at the Seattle Seahawks with Russell Wilson. Injured finger could be out as much as it looks like eight weeks. Some might say he might might be out for the entirety with the Seattle uh, Seahawks franchise. Um, first of all, uh, you were I know you were working that game in, 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 in your capacity with Amazon Prime. Uh, when he went down, uh, what, were yeah. your, what were your takeaways and how you evaluate the team going forward? Uh, when I first saw it, man, it looked bad. Finger was pointing straight down. You could tell Russell, you could see the concern on his face. But uh, Seahawks with no Russell, they out of gas, man. Stick a fork in them. It'll be a rebuilding year, whatever you call it. But uh, if Russell miss, if Russell missed six games, it's over with for him. They're going to be one and five in 06. They defense playing terrible. Russell Wilson was the only, was the main bright spot. And then your two receivers was bright spots as well but no Russell in Seattle stick a fork in him Harrison it's over with more likely if let's say he misses let's just say he misses the six weeks more likely the Seahawks uh finish at well actually let me just actually straight up if he misses those six weeks yeah do they finish it with the worst record in the NFC West yes yes easy uh he missed six weeks they easily last in the uh NFC West San Fran, San Fran would be okay. San Fran just going to be okay. I, I think they, I, at the beginning of the year, I thought San Fran might make the wild card. Uh, NFC West send three teams. Now I think they send two, and I think one, one different NFC team slide in there. Maybe, maybe the Saints, Saints looking okay. Maybe the Saints, maybe the Panthers, one of those teams from the South slide in and uh, take that third spot that I had. Rest assured, uh, it, it's not coming from that NFC North. Oh, one more question as it pertains Mm-mm. to the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson. Um, so we remember this offseason. We remember what happened with Aaron Rodgers. He ended up coming back to the Packers. We also remember the same kind of thing was happening in Seattle, uh, yeah. where Russell Wilson voices displeasure with the team, or at least reports were coming out. He had Apparently, he gave six teams that he was willing to be traded to. Considering where they might be if he ends up missing six to eight weeks, What's the chances he might have played his last game with the Seattle Seahawks? Uh, I ain't looking. I ain't. I ain't buy it too much when they drama kind of came about. I ain't, I ain't really buy it, man. It's I don't really see it. I think Russell locked in. He gonna be there. This just give him another year to make some more moves for him to make him even happier, right? So I don't buy it. Russell gonna be locked in in, in Seattle next year for sure. Yeah, and I, I'm of the belief that he will come back regardless of what the record is. I just don't see him as the type right. of guy who's just going to sit out games. But 
But I guess we'll all have to find out. So Kansas City Chiefs, you still believe them as a playoff team. Seattle Seahawks, you do not believe in them as a playoff team. I think everybody oh going into the season believed in the Cleveland Browns as a playoff team. Running game is too stout with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. You got a guy uh, like Miles Garrett on the defensive side of the ball. We got John Johnson in the secondary, Denzel Ward in the secondary. Solid team all around with Kevin Stefanski coaching it. However, we're watching the games, and there's one thing uh, that's making people not feel as optimistic about them as a Super Bowl contender. Kevin Stefanski doesn't trust Baker Mayfield. We saw what happened in that fourth quarter of the game against the Los Angeles Chargers. It was third and 10. It basically, if they punt it, uh, at the end of the fourth quarter, if they punt it, Justin Herbert gets two first downs. It's the field goal game's over. They ended up they ended up doing a lot more than that. But how do you, my question for you, Akeem, is how confident do you feel in the Browns as a Super Bowl contender considering Baker Mayfield's limitations as a quarterback? Because every other team that we see as a, a Super Bowl contender yeah. has a quarterback they trust. It doesn't seem like they trust him. Well... What he do trust is that run game. He trusts that Baker could turn around, hand it to Chubb, hand it to uh, to Hunt, and they're going to do good in this run game. And if he do that enough, he's going to turn around and fake it, and guys going to be running free, right? So I think I think the offense is just fine in Cleveland, man. It's, he don't want to put too much pressure. I don't want you out here throwing for 500 yards, and that's just not what type of team we are, and that's not what wins Super Bowls anyway. So... I think the offense and Stefanski is doing just fine, but the defense, Joe Woods, my guy, they got to really find their identity, man. One week they come out and give you zero. The next week they come out and let Herbert score 47, right? So they own one week off one week at this point, man. So I think the defense is what really needs to get cleaned up. No, Take the, take the explosion play. Too many big plays, too many blown coverages, man. So they clean that part up, then I start to believe in them, but, but – uh, to win Super Bowls, win championships, to do good in the playoffs, run game and defense. So just trust Baker to hit wide open crossing routes. As long as you got Chubb and Hunt, you're going to have wide open crossing routes. Since you know Joe Woods, take us inside that DB room uh, come after that game against the Chargers. We saw Mike Williams go absolutely ham. As you mentioned, Justin Herbert uh, went nuts in that game. Take us inside that DB room or maybe even yesterday or uh, today. Uh, as they look at well, the film, what do you? Well, one what, one thing I know about like? Joe, one thing I know about Joe is Joe gonna have guys prepared. You know what I'm saying? The the game plan gonna be black and white. Joe gonna have guys prepared. He gonna get how you with a good understanding of how these guys like to play. But uh, it's on the field, man. Somebody you need a Joe Woods on the field. It gotta be a guy who re reinterpreting the same shit that Joe saying on the field. Somebody who talking, making all the checks, getting us into the right stuff because. The coach can't do it from the sideline. You can know everything, but the game day, that's your test. When that guy come motion in, you got two and a half seconds to make this check and get us in the right thing. And if you don't, Mike Williams is running free. So it's not Joe. It's the guys, JJ, you getting paid like an like a all-pro. You got to play like one, man. You got to be the guy, take, a, take hold of it, start talking to everybody, man. Somebody got to do it. Uh, Ward, one of the corners, I was a corner, and I did a bunch of the talking when I played for Joe Woods. As soon as it got come in motion, I said what well, we're going to be playing just so it's black and white. No gray area. So the guys got to do it, man. Somebody in that secondary got to take ownership, get guys in the right in the right checks and the right coverages, man. Stop these deep balls. So we're still waiting on the verdict on the Cleveland Browns. They have room for improvement. Uh, he doesn't feel too confident about the Seattle Seahawks going forward. 
particularly if Russell Wilson ends up missing uh, more time than not with his latest injury and still feeling very confident about the Kansas City Chiefs and their playoff potential, potentially to win a Super Bowl as well. Here are two players, and we're going to switch from teams to players now, two players that people are unsure about uh, when it comes to fantasy football. I'll lay them out for you, Akeem. Stefan Diggs, drafted as a wide receiver one. Most people took him either the first, most people probably took him the second round. Probably got lucky if you were able to get him in the third round. Right now, he's wide receiver 21 on the season. A game mm. against the Kansas City Chiefs, only two receptions. But still on pace for 160 targets on the season. But we, And the negative on his fantasy, from the fantasy football perspective, still got Josh Allen as a rushing quarterback. Zach Moss has emerged as a legit running back for that team. Emmanuel, our guy Emmanuel Sanders is there, and Dawson Knox has really emerged as a tight end. The other wide receiver that people are concerned about when it comes to fantasy football purposes only, these guys are talented on the field, yes, no question about it. Calvin Ridley. No Julio Jones this year. I think everybody expected him to go off. Wide receiver 28 on the season. That offense is just not moving the ball well at all. Cordarell Patterson's probably the only person you really want on your fantasy football team as of now, the way he's performed. And his matchup's coming up. Miami Dolphins, even though Tom Brady went off on them. The Carolina Panthers, who just got Stephon Gilmore, who you already liked before they got Stephon Gilmore. Marshawn Lattimore, who just set the pass breakup record uh, since 2017 with his performance against Terry McLaurin and the Washington football team. Then you got Trayvon Diggs, who's picking off everybody. And then New England. Those are Calvin Ridley's next one, two, three, four, next five matchups. So yep. Calvin Ridley, Stephon Diggs. You had to pick one. Who would it be? I'm going to go with Diggs, man. I feel like uh, Diggs is he a bomb waiting to happen, man. It's, it's Josh Allen just spreading the, spreading the ball around. I feel like he could go to Diggs, but, you know, he getting these guys more in tune to the offense. So if it's a play where I got double posts, I could throw it to Diggs. But let me throw it outside to E just so his camaraderie could be right. So – Knox is happy, E happy, everybody is happy in this in this offense, man. Diggs a team guy, and he's still going to eat. You said he on pace for 160 targets, man. If you throw him the ball 160 times this year, he going to go off, right? So stay with Diggs, man. He got the better quarterback. He got the young, more explosive, stronger arm quarterback. He got the team who winning. They scoring 30-plus points a game. They in the groove, right? So ride with Diggs. And to anybody in my personal fantasy football <clears throat> league, I know you listen to the podcast. Don't you dare try and trade me Calvin Ridley. <laughs> Don't you dare. Really, I see that really getting the Julio. Really getting the Julio treatment, man. He the number one guy now. Now you get all the doubles. You get the number one corner. So it's different when you get the number one receiver treatment. So, you know, he, he's seeing yeah. different. He, he getting played different. So he, he's actually seeing different defense. Diggs seeing the same shit he always see. He been seeing, he been the number one guy. He been getting the doubles. Now they're just going to go outside and make you think like, all right, we can't double him as much because E and Knox going ham. Then it's going to open right back up for Diggs. He just, you just got to be patient with Diggs. But Ridley, you playing a different style of defense. You seeing a different style of defense because you're the number one guy now and you're going to see that all year. Yeah, it's uh, not looking bright for him from a fantasy football perspective. Again, talented guy, but it's a whole different world when you're the number one receiver. Uh, before we go to break, I want to give you the power rankings for week number six. Arizona Cardinals at number one, still undefeated. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so just alluded to what Tom Brady did uh, against the Miami Dolphins. They're at number two. Buffalo Bills, who just beat the Chiefs, at number three. Cowboys 
at number four, and the Green Bay Packers, uh, who somehow, some way, somehow won that Tough game in Cincinnati. Way. <laughs> at number See, I five. Switched. That's your... I switched the Go Cowboys ahead. and the Bills. Bills had a big win over the Chiefs. You know, a little better opponent, you know, hop the Cowboys, but they still neck and neck, though. Yeah, uh, these 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 teams do look like the cream of the crop right now, but things change. All right, so we did the power rankings. You know we got to do the no-fly zone power rankings. We'll start at number one, Buffalo Bills. Number two, Los Angeles Chargers. Number three, and rising, Dallas Cowboys. Number four, Marshawn Lattimore and the New Orleans Saints. And number five, the Los Angeles Rams. As I mentioned, what uh, Marshawn Lattimore did this past weekend against Terry McLaurin, standout performance from him. But every week, Trayvon Diggs... <laughs> Is a standout for that Dallas Cowboys secondary. I think Ezekiel Elliott uh, basically said, or it was Dak Prescott said, they don't even target him in practice anymore. It's a wrap. Um, Akib, talk about what you've seen from him, difference between year one to year two. You were on it from last year, but the proof is in the pudding this year. There are actual yeah. numbers showing how well he is playing. What do you what do you see? Seeing? See, last year you you kind of you new to it, so you got to get the speed of the game down, man. You got to see all the new NFL routes. They're different than college routes, right? So you got to just kind of go through it and take your lumps. You go through injuries and stuff. You shake back. And at the end of last year, he kind of got it down. He started, okay, now he's taking good angles and he's staying on top of receivers. And this year, he going absolutely ham. He playing with the most confidence i ever seen a corner play with. And – I seen him in this gym, right? He'd be at A plus D1. So I seen the move. I seen how big he was and how explosive he is and his short space quickness. But in this game, I'm seeing a different level of speed, Harrison. He I seen the over route right before he got his sixth pick. They threw an over route. He was kind of on top behind the guy a little bit. Man, he caught up, sped in front of him, almost got that pick, right? And then he had the post by himself. He was trailing through the post. Caught up to my guy, got his number six pick. So the speed, his speed is jumping off the tape to me right now, man. And I didn't think he was that fast. I ain't going to lie. I ain't think I knew he was fast. I didn't think he was this kind of fast. If he this kind of fast, oh, shit, Harrison. We might have one of them, one of them, you know what I'm saying? Once you get one of these guys every 10 years type DBs, man, he playing excellent football right now, man. He the best in the league right now. And he worries that he's a strong candidate to come at somebody's pick six numbers. Well, I ain't got the record, so shit. Woodson <laughs> and, and Charles, they better be worried. I, I ain't worried about you passing third place, baby. Fuck third place. <laughs> Pass third place, man. Go get Chuck them, man. So, hey, at this point, I don't think he'd do it, though, because you play like this, them targets is about to go down. Them quarterbacks going to get scared, so... In a few, it's going to be just like practice. Like Dak said, you ain't going to get no targets. Uh, that's a good one. All right, another uh, matchup or another stud uh, defensive back, Jalen Ramsey and the Los Angeles Rams played against the Seattle Seahawks uh, last Thursday night football. You were working that game. Uh, DK yeah. Metcalf managed to get two touchdowns. One of them was in Jalen Ramsey's coverage. As we get ready to break down our A-plus matchups for week six, let's review week five. What, did hap what happened there? Uh, that made DK Metcalf successful, just regardless of who the quarterback was. Uh, he won. He won a couple. He won a couple. Uh, a couple matchups against Jalen. I mean, it was Dudo, man. Jalen been like terrorizing DK, man. He been like welcome, welcoming, in, welcoming him to the NFL for six games straight or some shit, right? So it was dude, man. DK, you a you a 
you a big time receiver, man. One of them was a scramble drill. He kind of got Jalen out of whack a little bit. And uh, but you know, he was due, man. It's big on big there. It was big on big all day. And DK won head up face. He won a couple of the matches, man. So I was I was I was happy to see him mature a little bit, you know, and, and keep competing against Jalen, cuz that's a hard matchup right there. It's hard to it's hard to go to work against Jalen. When we did our best bets, which we'll do on Friday, I think it was best bets like two, three weeks ago. I think Paul had mentioned that uh, Jalen Ramsey had a, had a good chance to be Defensive Player of the Year, but that matchup yeah. against the Arizona Cardinals did not go well. This matchup against DK Metcalf, despite the win, did not go ideally. But when they're in your division, you do get to play them again. So yep. still on the table, not as bright as of an outlook as it was before when Paul had originally mentioned it. We'll have to track it and see how it goes going forward. Moving on to week six, though. A-plus matchups, you know the one rule, Akeem, if, you don't, if they don't, please let them know. You better be following. There you go. And that leads us to the question I have to ask you because this is an interesting way, interesting week when you look at wide receiver and uh, defensive back matchups. I'm going to first start with the New England secondary versus Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb. I don't know how to break it down, Akeem. Who's going to get the shadow coverage when it comes to Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb? Is it? Is, J- is J.C. Jackson going to follow one of them? Obviously, I know you don't have the playbook, but how right. would you uh, prescribe what might happen in that matchup? Well, if anybody get to follow, I think it's easier to follow Amari just because he's he's stationary more. He's more on the right side. He always over there. He outside, to say the least. So if anybody get followed, I think it would be Amari. But it's going to be tough, man. I, I, I'm, I'm anxious to see how Bill – line these DBs up against these guys, who he match up on who, because they've been switching it up, man. The, the Patriots been switching it up, uh, surprising me a little bit on, on how they do their matchups, but, I mean, we'll see. And then the the next one, we saw what happened Monday night football. Carson Wentz was looking like pre-injury Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz, the way he was, be able, he was able to pitch the ball all around the field, Paris Campbell, yeah. Michael Pittman Jr., Mo Alley-Cox, a bunch of guys got receptions. And so now Justin Herbert comes uh, and plays against the Baltimore Ravens. And again, I don't know how to break it down. Is it Mike Williams who gets the shadow coverage from Marlon Humphrey? Is it Keenan Allen who gets the shadow coverage from Marlon Humphrey? And we know whoever doesn't get the shadow coverage is going to get a lot of targets because uh, yeah. Everett was targeted a lot on Monday Night Football, and I imagine more and more teams are going to keep doing that. Well, yeah, Humphrey, on, on Monday Night, Humphrey just stayed on the left. He played the left the entire time. He didn't follow anybody, so... We'll see, man. It's going to be tough. Uh, Mike is on that right a lot, so and he the deep ball guy. I can't imagine they leave Everett, uh, Everett over there with, with Mike over there, man. So you might put Humphreys on Mike Williams, let him take care of him because he's on the outside, and then you let your nickel deal with Keenan. You could kind of double him in the inside or let your nickel deal with Keenan in the inside. If I was the Ravens, that's how I would do it, man. Let's take the deep ball. Put our big corner on the deep ball guy. We'll deal with Keenan. He more underneath. Uh, medium, uh, mid routes, uh, intermediate routes. Uh, so I let my nickel and the coverages deal with Keenan. Yeah, uh, big year for Mike Williams so far. Probably, I think he's what top five in fantasy football at the wide receiver position. Um, he has been a monster. Thankfully, he's on at least one of my teams. Um, and he's ha- he does have a, a expanded route tree this year. But yes, still the deep target for those Los Angeles Chargers. All right, big show here today. We're about to get out of here. We're not going to break down any primetime games, not as juicy as they were last week at least, but we want to talk about some teams that haven't gotten a win who have a chance. Lions hosting the Cincinnati Bengals this weekend. Akib, yes, no, Lions get their first win. Oh, 
tough for them, man. Bengals playing good football, but the Lions is like on the fence, ready to hop over, and they will hop over this week at the house. They have finally put four quarters of football together. They will get a win this week, man, versus the Bengals. No, no thoughts about Frank, Frank Ragnow being done for the season. I, I know you're big on that offensive line. Does it impact yeah. your, your decision on that? Well, he missed last game too, and they and they they played pretty good without him. So, this next man up, man, it's football, baby. So it's momentum. I think you playing that hard this many weeks in a row. That's how football go, man. All that stuff come together eventually. I think this will be the week, man. And then the Jaguars looking for their first win on the season. Looks like the Urban Meyer distraction is behind us, thanks to John Gruden's uh, emails. Uh, Jaguars playing on, against the Miami man. Dolphins. Who you got? Jags at home, right? The Jags, Jags at home. Jags are at home. Jags at home. So you're going to get Trevor Lawrence, the Dolphins defense. They got to be up there in man coverage. They play a bunch of man coverage. They kind of make it easy on the quarterback. You know what I'm saying? He just pick his matchup and go to the guy. So I said the Lions get their first win. The Jazz get their first win too, man. They're going to win at the house. Uh, they're going to beat the Dolphins at the house. Too much man coverage in Miami, man. They losing in that man coverage. They're getting roasted right now in man coverage. Everybody. They're going to get roasted again this week, man. I'm riding with the Jags. All right, so the Lions get their first win. Jaguars get their first win. We're not worried about the Kansas City Chiefs. Worried about the Las Vegas Raiders. A whole bunch was uncovered today on call to the booth. And we'll be back tomorrow where we do a little bit more work or introspection on the Denver Broncos. That's the keep to leave. I'm Harrison Sanford. We'll see you tomorrow.